as you're flipping through your Bibles, Colossians is located right, excuse me, right after Philippians and right before 1 Thessalonians. So if you're flipping through, Colossians is a shorter book, so it can be easy to, to overlook. And so if you're uh, opening up and you're getting to Philippians and you just got to turn a couple more pages. And if you start seeing First Thess- Thessalonians or Second Thessalonians, uh, you just got to go a few pages back. But this is what Paul is trying to encourage the, the church and call us I uh, at such a time and place as then. And it says this, it says, he's telling them, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you, but look up and be alert to what's going around Christ. That's where all the action is. See things from his perspective, from Christ's perspective. He goes on to say that your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, Life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. You're done with that old life. And he says this, it's like a a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes that you've stripped off and that you've thrown into the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. I lost connection. If you could advance the slide for me, please. Sorry about that. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. Now, everyone is defined by Christ and everyone is included in Christ. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. And everyone said, thanks be to God. And so what's really amazing is that Paul uses this interesting metaphor, right, to describe our new life in Christ. He uses the imagery of clothing. And I think it really helps us get us thinking about what we wear in order to help understand this comparison between our old life and our new life in Christ. There is old clothing, And there is new clothing, something that is custom-fitted to us. And this whole idea got me thinking and it reminded me of when I was growing up and having to shop for suits, right? And it was not the most enjoyable experience. We grew up, my mom, my mom's here, my dad are here this morning. My mom would take us to all sorts of department stores, right? And, and we would end up at Sears most likely, and, and we'd be getting a suit, right, for me to, to wear. And nothing ever quite fit my body. I had sort of an awkward body. I have broad shoulders, I have short arms, and I have a long torso. And it's hard to match all those things in, the, in a department store, right? And so nothing was, was really fitting. And so I used to hate wearing suits because I didn't feel good in them. I didn't look good in them, I thought. And, and the reality is that these suits, they weren't tailor designed for Tyler Jackson, right? They weren't designed for me. 
And as I got older, I ended up growing up, and, and I ended up actually having the same build as my dad. We have a, a very similar uh, body structure. And the interesting thing is that my dad would then uh, occasionally steal my clothes, right? I, I would come home from college, and I would have been missing, like, my favorite jacket or, like, a favorite shirt. And, I, and I'd be wrecking my brain, racking my brain about where in the world is this the shirt at, and I would come home, and sure enough, my dad would be wearing it. I'm like, Dad, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you wearing my shirts for? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's wearing a billabong shirt, right? He doesn't know what that is, but, you know, that's what I was wearing at the time, and I was like, come on, Dad, you can do better than that. But this also meant my dad could wear my clothes, but I could wear my dad's clothes too, right? And so there was a, an important event. I couldn't remember, but it might have been for a wedding, uh, maybe for a different kind of occasion, but I needed another suit, right? I had pretty much grown out of all my other suits, so I looked even more ridiculous. I needed another suit. I was a poor college student, didn't want to have to buy another suit. Uh, and so uh, I asked my dad, can I wear one of my dad's suits? And I still had this disdain for wearing anything nice because I felt uncomfortable. I felt like I didn't look good. But when I put on my dad's suit everything changed. For the first time, I had worn something that was tailor fit to me, right? And all of a sudden, I had a whole new appreciation for wearing suits. It was like what I call the, the James Bond experience, right? Like you wear it and you feel like a million dollars. You feel like you can rule the world. And I was like, whoa, man, if I, if, if, if I would wear suits uh, every day, you know, I could wear suits like this every day if they fit like this, right? It gave me that much confidence because it made me feel good. It made me look good. And then I began to realize, oh, this is why people spend way too much money on clothes, right? It's, I get it now. But, you know, as I got older, I began to slowly go through my wardrobe and updating it, right? Started growing out of some things. Uh, my metabolism slowed down and all that, but I still appreciated a good fitting uh, clothing. And, you know, and I, I really still to this day do not enjoy trying to shop for clothes. It's gotten better, but man, it's the last thing uh, on my priority list. But I began to, to find nicer, more fitted clothing uh, to make me feel better and to have a little bit more confidence, right? And, it, and I recognize that it seems almost silly, it seems kind of shallow that, that a piece of clothing could have that kind of impact on how I felt about myself, right? Uh, and so what, what I learned is that, you know, maybe the things that we all fill our lives with, including clothing, they can begin to affect our life, whether we realize it or not. And so maybe what if, what if I began to have the same kind of care and attention that I began to have with my clothing and began to apply it to all the other aspects of my life? What if I surrounded myself with things that brought me joy and that would bring me this kind of confidence, right? It makes sense. Maybe that's what some of us are trying to do. And this, this same idea, this essential idea of, of joy and confidence, it's being promoted and coined by a, a woman named Marie Kondo. Does anybody know that name, Marie Kondo? Man, y'all have got to get on it. But I'll tell you more about it. Uh, if we can go to the next slide. This is Marie Kondo. She's a, a Japanese tidying expert, right? She's an expert in tidying up people's lives. She consults 
people, right? And if you didn't know, uh, she is actually a, a best-selling author of the book titled The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And she also has a hit Netflix special called Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. And they released that at the beginning of the year around New Year's. So good on them, right? That was smart marketing. Um, but to, to be uh, truthful, I, I've not read her book. I've not watched the Netflix special. But once you kind of hear the, the premise of it, it's not hard to, to really understand or to grasp. But I decided to go on her website just to make sure I understood kind of where she was coming from. But the first thing that you, you see when you, when you go on her website is this phrase right across the top. It says, it's about choosing joy. It's about choosing joy. And so what she does in her consulting in this tidying up process, she has a method right, that she uh, helps people embrace and use and begin to implement in their lives. And the, and the method is called KonMari. Um, if we could switch to the next slide, KonMari um, is really simple. It's, it's this. KonMari is keep only those things that speak to the heart and discard items that no longer spark joy. Thank them for their service and then let them go right? That, that's the premise of her method. And so when you go to your closet and you look at your wardrobe and you see everything that's been there for the last three decades, you look at them and you say, you know, does this still speak to my heart? <laughs> I might have fond memories, but is it, does it still speak to my heart? Does it still bring me joy? If not, we can thank them for their service and we can release them. We can let them go, right? And so uh, this was not only an effective way for tidying up for people's lives through all uh, aspects of their life, but it also began to help people build a capacity of being mindful, of being more introspective, and also to begin to look, to be more forward-looking, right? And what this began to teach was people began to learn about a discipline of choosing joy. It's about choosing joy, and so it wasn't just uh, looking at what no longer brings me joy and getting rid, of that, getting rid of all that stuff. It began to shift as people began to go through their life and discard those things and, and realize what does bring me joy. They began to build that discipline, and that discipline helped them make future decisions. When there was a future decision to be made, they can ask themselves, is this going to bring me joy? Is this next purchase going to really bring me joy? Does it still speak to my, or will it speak to my heart or not? And it got me thinking, well, I wonder if we can use these ideas or this idea to further underscore Paul's use of a metaphor for clothing in order to help describe a life that is determined and defined by Christ. What Paul calls the old life and our new life. In fact, Paul describes the old life between the passages that we read earlier. So you see those on the screen. So between the passages, he goes into more depth about what the old life consists of. So we, we can know what it looks like so we know when it can look differently. And he says, and, and he's talking about, you know, moving from that old life into the new life. And his words are, that means killing off everything that was connected with that way, with the way of death. He believed that, that the old life, everything that was uh, defined by the old life would end up 
in death and everything defined in our new life with Christ, it ultimately ended up in eternal life. And so he's saying, cut off all that stuff. I want you to live, right? So stop doing these things like sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. He said that that's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. And it's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It, it wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better. But you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. We see that phrase again, for good. Make sure it's all gone for good. Your bad temper, your irritability, your meanness, your, your profanity, your dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. He keeps going on and on about all of these things right? And and Paul continues by saying that we want you to sever your life from, or sever your old life from your new life. And so living into that new life, into your resurrected life in Christ, it means giving up all that stuff. It's like ill-fitting clothing. It doesn't suit you and it doesn't suit others well. In fact, it doesn't bring you joy, right? And in fact, it, it, it doesn't bring other people joy either, right? So this is the, the language that he's beginning to use. And so we can sort of conmari our lives, right, in order to make sure that we're living into that resurrected life. And I know that, that conmari by Marie Kondo is a method for tidiness. But actually, John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist movement of our United Methodist Church, And John Wesley, he he defined a method for helping Christians live into this resurrected life, right? And, And essentially, we wanted to ask ourselves to look back and say, has the way that I've been living, has it been determined, has it been defined by Christ? And then when we look ahead to the future, what future decisions that I will end up inevitably making will I choose to let them be defined by Christ. And, and, and the, the method that John Wesley called the, this, this test, this litmus test, he called it his general rules, right? It's not as fun to say as Kanmari, but John Wesley was a methodical man and a very straight arrowed kind of guy. So the general rules are this. Oop, there it went. Uh, do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. He actually said, uh, follow the ordinances of God. But to kind of update his language, he says to stay in love with God. If you do these three things, it, it's pretty likely that you're going to end up living into that new resurrected life. And so we can use this method as a litmus test with our walks with Jesus. That's why Paul says that we have to give up all of those negative things. That was what the old life was defined by, and your new life is defined by Christ. Your new life means doing good. We're raised for good. We're raised for good. John Wesley also had a quote where he said this, just to further underscore the life, what the new life of Christ looks like. He says this. You can get it on like coffee mugs and stuff now. Do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. It permeates our life. We don't just be nice and we don't just do good here on Sunday morning when when people are watching. We, We do it out there. 
That's what we've been called to do, to make God's love real for people. And so this is the beginning of how our new lives of Christ begin to be defined. We actively stop doing things that would harm and hurt others, and we begin to do things that help and that will heal. And that's, that's the difference between the old and the new. When you're living Jesus, we talk about here at, at Mountain Park that we're growing in living Jesus and loving community. That when we live like Jesus, we'll love like Jesus. And so when we're living like Jesus, you're not doing those negative things, those things that harm and those things that hurt, but instead you're doing other things, things that are good, things that are helpful, things that are healing. And we don't do those other things with the old life because the fruit, the behavior of our life is now defined by Christ. And so what we're going to do uh, throughout the rest of our series is we're going to unpack these general rules. Uh, what we focus on this morning is this idea of doing no harm, the first rule, right? Doing no harm. The first thing we have to do is to start by not doing or harming other people. We have to start stopping that behavior. Does that make sense? Right? That's the first thing we can do is when we look at our lives and we begin to embrace this, this new resurrected life with Christ, there's old things that we used to do that we shouldn't be doing anymore. That's a good place to start. And that frees us to do even better things, more helpful things, more healing things for other people. And so maybe you need to spend a little bit of time this morning looking at your life and asking yourself, what behaviors have been ill-fitting for me? right? What are some of those, those ill-fitting behaviors that we still put on every morning and, and we live out of every day of the week? What's God revealing to you that some of that ill-fitting behavior? Has it been impatience? Has it been bitterness? Has it been jealousness, lying, meanness, right? Has it been lust? Has it been pride? Has it been hatred? Whatever it is, what is God revealing to you that that is ill-fitting because it no it doesn't bring you joy it doesn't bring other people joy right and i want to mention this too maybe you've worn these ill-fitting clothing for so long that they've begun to define you that it almost seems impossible to untangle unwrap yourself to take off that ill-fitting garment because it, it feels like it's a part of who you are. And maybe you believe this is who you always will be and that you can't be any different. And so maybe you're scared that, that if, I, if I take off this ill-fitting clothing that I've worn for so long, I, I'm going to feel a little exposed. I'm going to feel a little naked, so to speak. And, and I'm not so sure that this new life is Christ is going to fit me any better. But that's what Paul is trying to encourage the disciples then and, and encourage us as disciples today by saying, no, this new life in Christ has been tailor-made for you. It's going to fit you. It's going to make sense to you. It's going to give you confidence. It's going to bring you joy. And it's going to equip you so that you can do more good, that you can make God's love more real to people because you know and have experienced God's love for you. It's tailored fit. I want you to ask yourself, is that old life, 
those ill-fitting clothes, are they bringing you joy? Are they bringing other people joy? And and I think you know that they aren't. (laughs) I think you know that they aren't serving you well, and they certainly aren't building momentum around God and around this mission about making God's love real to other people, right? So thinking about these things. Another question to ask is, are you being defined by your old life? Or are you being defined by Christ? And this is a question that we should be asking every day as often as we can. Because this work of of embracing and living into the new life, it never stops. We keep living into it. And that means that sometimes that old life, those ill-fitting clothing, will will pop back into our closet. And we might think, hey, you know what? I haven't worn that in a while. I'm going to put that back on. But, but what we want to do is, is recognize that, that that's a possibility. But more and more each and every day of our lives that we be, be more ruled, be more defined by Christ than those old things, than that old way of living. Because we've been raised with Christ. Our identity is no longer in those things. Our identity is in Christ. We experience freedom in Christ. We become alive. We become well. We become free. We become raised for good because we are defined by Christ. Friends, we want you to to know that this morning that the power of the resurrection frees us from doing harm in order to give life to one another. And that's what we're going to continue to unpack in the, by next week and the following weeks to come. What does doing good look like? What does it mean to bring life, to give life to other people? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for this morning. God, I give you thanks for, God, the way that you're spurring us on. God, that you make yourself known to us. You make yourself real to us. So God, we want to be intentional. We want to look at our lives. And God, when we look at our lives, it it can be painful. God, to, to, to bring, to shed light on those dark places. But God, we say this a lot here. You and scripture says this: that you brought light into the world, into the darkness through your Son Jesus Christ, not to condemn us but to free us, to save us so that we would no longer be defined by darkness, but we would be defined by light. And the first step in that journey is letting that light shine in the dark places. And God, with your help, by your grace, God, by your forgiveness, by your love, God, we can let go of the old things, God, and and free up ourselves to embrace and live into our new life in Christ. God, give us the strength. Give us, again, the grace. And God, allow us to live into this freedom of life that you have promised through your son, Jesus. God, may we remember Wesley's rules. Whether it's our our physical selves or, or our presence, even online, God, it applies to all aspects of our life. Family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, strangers. Are we going to live as though we are defined by Christ? Will we do no harm? Will we do more good? God, and we stay in love with you. 
God, we thank you. We, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.